So I want you to picture yourself being about, I don't know, 28 or 29 in the early 1960s. And you really want to go to church. And for all you know, there's just this only one choice of church to go to. And you go in the door in the back and you sit down and this guy comes out in the front and he says, Oh my diabel, do, dobinas, flobidas, bo. And you're like, I don't even know what that guy's saying. Because he's speaking Latin. And you know, like this is how the church works. This is like really holy. This guy, he's saying the same stuff they've been saying for like, I don't know, 700 years longer. So we're stuck on 700 degrees in 700 years, right? He's saying the same thing, like this holy thing that's happening. And for all you know, this is what church is supposed to be. And you get done, you're like, I don't know what they said. It was amazing. There was like, it was like, that's really religious. That's really what religion is. I feel like I really prayed today. And you leave. What you didn't know was Vatican II just happened, and they just decided they're never going to have Latin Mass again. And that was the last Latin Mass at a Catholic church ever, except for special occasions. So you decide to go back the next week. And you come back the next week, and you're like, man, I don't know what that guy was saying up there, but I'm ready for more of this just powerful religious speaking. And the guy speaks English. And all of a sudden you hear, Christ has come. Christ came. He rose again. He was killed according to the scriptures. He's risen from the dead. And you hear all of this and you're like, I had no idea that Jesus died for my sins and he rose from the dead and he's coming again. And it's a completely different experience because you heard that Jesus died for your sins are forgiven. And then you walk out of church that Sunday and you're completely different, right? And you had no idea that's what they were saying. But there was something that was like, oh, this is just so holy and so this ritual and, you know. But when you heard it in your own language, you were like, whoa. And then all of a sudden you became an evangelist. You told everybody. And um, the story goes on. Here we are in Acts 2. And I want you to have that totally made up bogus story in your head. Um, It could be true, but I just made it up. And as we read about what happened in Jerusalem 50 days after Pentecost, or Passover. So Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Every Jewish man that's able to travel is supposed to come to Jerusalem. And you're probably going to bring your wife and your kids along with you because you want all of them to be in on it. You're going to see all your cousins and your cousins' cousins and your cousins' cousins' cousins. And you're going to stay at Grandpa's house where Grandpa's been living for the past four generations. And you're all going to crash on the street outside their house. And you're going to sleep in their living room. And you're just going to pack the house out. And everybody's going to be camping in the streets. And it's going to be super crowded. But boy, do you guys remember how weird Passover was? 
Like we had Passover and that dude came to town and we all thought he was the Messiah and we took our coats off and we threw them on the street and we were just shouting, save us now. And he didn't kill any Romans. And then a couple days later, we were like, this dude says he's going to tear down our temple. How dare he tear down our temple? And so we all wanted him dead. But then they actually killed him and the whole sky went black. And I was, I mean, I'm scared. I'm a grown man and I was, I was getting my kids close. I got the wife to get the kids in the house. It was weird. And then there was that earthquake and then all this business happened. Just We were about ready to go back to uh, Galilee. We were about ready to leave town and go back. And all these people were talking about this dude came back from the dead. And I was like, okay, this week, this has been the craziest Passover ever. We are getting out of here. We were not sticking around for any of this. That was Passover that year. Oh boy, 50 days later, I really want to go. I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to see everybody and see all my cousins again. I want to celebrate Moses giving the law to his people. But man, I hope it's not weird like Passover was. Because Passover just had too much politics, too much weirdness, that earthquake, the sky growing dark. I feel bad for shouting to crucify that guy just because he was going to tear down the temple. Because I know he can't tear down the temple. But let's go back to Jerusalem for Pentecost anyway. So you get the whole family together. Acts 2. The day of Pentecost arrives. They were all together in one place. Who's the they? It's all the people that at the end of Acts 1 where they picked a 12th disciple. Remember they got another disciple with them. So they, or apostle. So they had 12 apostles again representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're all getting together daily In this upper room of this house, maybe where they had the Last Supper, maybe not, but it's in Jerusalem. And they are praying together every day. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It gets loud. Divided tongues like fire appeared to them, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Jewish religion is... um, People might argue that it's full of tradition, and that's a bad thing. But you have to know the intent of their tradition is that God told Moses stuff. And then Moses told all the Levite priests stuff. And he told it to them exactly as God told it to him. So then those Levite priests taught it to their kids, who their sons would grow up to be Levite priests, and they taught it the exact same way. And then their kids taught their kids the exact same way. And it was so important that you do it the exact same way because this is exactly how God told Moses. And then Moses told, told Grandpa. And then Grandpa told me. And now I'm telling you. And don't mess it up. Because we don't want to do it a different way than God told us to do it. We want to do it the exact same way. Otherwise, we'll get off course. So Jewish tradition isn't just... Uh, I like this because it smells the way my mom baked ham and it gives me good feelings. 
and it gives me nostalgia and it gives me good memories. It's, I want to do this the same because this is how God said to do it. And if I do it off, then my kids will do it a little bit more off and then their kids will do it a little bit more off. And if everybody goes three degrees off after four generations, right, you're all the way over here. So we got to do it the same way. So the way they prayed, they had a prayer that you prayed when you wake up in the morning. They had a prayer that you prayed when you went to sleep at night. They had a prayer that you prayed before you ate. They had a prayer that you prayed before you ate on Friday night. Because Friday night's the Sabbath. And you have to pray a different prayer because it's the Sabbath. And there's a different prayer that you pray the morning when you wake up on the Sabbath. And just... So you have a whole bunch of people that are traveling to Jerusalem, that are celebrating Pentecost, and they only know how to pray and to talk about Yahweh and to talk about religious things in Hebrew. And they only talk about God in Hebrew. So there were some guys that came up with the Septuagint, and the Septuagint was where 70 rabbis got together And they copied out, they translated the Old Testament. That was all they had. Um, They translated the Old Testament into Greek. And they brought all their notes together to compare, and they all matched exactly. And so they saw this as a miracle. The translation was divinely inspired. And so you have a Greek Old Testament. And they had that in this day. And so all the people that are coming either speak Greek because they're from all over the world as their commerce language, but then they speak their native, what their mom spoke to them also. But whenever they talk about religion, they speak Hebrew. And then sometimes to get a little bit of help, they speak Greek, which is the language of business when they have the Septuagint. Does that make sense? So you got all these languages going on. The Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. It comes upon all of them, not just the twelve. It comes upon, I misspoke. It comes upon all the disciples. And they all start saying things and speaking. It says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there are dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because everybody was hearing them speak in his own language. So you had Jews in Jerusalem that were from all over the world. Some of them lived there and came to live in Jerusalem because they they were Jewish and they wanted to be in Jerusalem. But they were originally from Cyrene or they were originally from Rome or they were originally from Syria or Arabic, what we would later call Arabic countries. So if you're their kids and their grandkids and you're coming and staying with them and you came from those other language, other countries, you're going to speak those other languages. The people that live there are going to speak those other languages. And they all hear these guys up on this rooftop at this place shouting things in their own languages. 
So I really want to grasp how significant that is because it's so common to us to hear people talk about God. Even to hear, I mean, Jesus Christ is a curse word that's completely acceptable in a lot of modern action movies. And you, so hearing Jesus in our own language doesn't mean very much to us. But imagine you're at, at the grocery store and, you know, there's all the ruckus in the grocery store and it's hard to hear anyway because there's all the background noise. And you hear somebody say Sullivan. You hear somebody say Carnahan. You hear somebody say your last name. And you're going to be like, hmm? What's up? And uh, some of my friends and I, these pastor guys, we meet on Wednesday mornings at Donut Bank. We saw this guy we know, and he's across the parking lot. And we played a joke on him. So we see him over there, and we would turn and say, Justin! And the other guys would be looking at him. So he would hear his name called, and he would look around. He couldn't find anybody calling his name. We did this to him like five times. Finally, we're just laughing our heads off because he can't figure out who's calling his name. The person he's talking to is like, somebody's yelling your name. He's like, I know. I was trying to not pay attention to it. When you hear something distinct like that, you're like, what? What? What, what is that sound? Who's calling me? It was kind of like this. Because it's crowded, and all of a sudden you hear your native language. And if you hear somebody talking about God, if you hear somebody speaking Hebrew, you know they're religious. Right? You know they're speaking religious talk. If you hear somebody speaking Greek, you know they're probably selling a chicken or something. Like, that's totally normal. But all of a sudden you hear them speaking your own language, you're like, whoa, somebody, you know. If I hear somebody talking about grippos and ski, I'm going to be like, oh, somebody, my people, where are you? You hear that. So these people were all crowded in Jerusalem, and they hear these guys shouting, blah, 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 blah. They're like, what? What's that dude, what's this Syrian doing, what's a Syrian doing up there on that roof yelling? And he's yelling about, wait a minute, he's yelling about the God of Israel. He's yelling about Yahweh. He's yelling truths. This is what they said. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. And they heard these things in their own language. They were amazed and astonished. They said, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? And how can we hear them in our own language? I mean, Galileans, they did not learn. They did not go to language school. Um, they had bad language. Okay? They were, they were rough folks. They were looked down upon. Um, among people in Jerusalem, it's kind of like what we would call hillbillies or hicks or country bumpkins, right? Fill in your term. These are uneducated, out there people. And they're Galileans, and they're speaking all of these different languages. Listen to this. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. This is, this is um, some of these places are a, month, a month's journey away. And most new, 
most people that lived around the first century never went further than two miles from where they were born. And these guys know all these languages. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So this is, this is like the first ever Bible translation. Because they are hearing these guys say all kinds of God's mighty works. All kinds of things that God has done. They could be uh, reciting psalms. They could be talking about how God you know, led people out of Egypt. Because they're all there to celebrate Moses giving the law. But whatever it is they're se- they, they hear them saying... God's mighty works. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mockingly said, They are full of sweet wine. They're all drunk. So there's some people that believed it, that said, There is some work of power happening, because I hear that guy speaking in Libyan, speaking my, my native Libyan language, about Yahweh, and I have never heard anybody talk about Yahweh in my language before. Because whenever somebody talked about Yahweh, they spoke Hebrew. And now I'm hearing it, wow, and, and it's, it, it's penetrating my soul because it's what, the way I talk naturally. God is really reaching out to me. All right, so here's where it gets really crazy. A hundred years earlier... 100 BC, this guy named Philo was writing about Moses on Mount Sinai giving the law. And he wrote, what a great day that was, that God spoke words of fire that came down to Moses and those words of fire were turned into the languages of every nation so God's law could go out to all people. What does that sound like? Does that not sound like Pentecost? That God's words would be fire, that they would come down and turn into the languages of all people and go out to all nations? Philo wrote that 100 years before Pentecost happened. He wrote that, well, I mean, 130 if you count, if you count it right. 100 BC, he wrote that. So when Luke writes down what happens, Luke would know about that. Luke would know, and he would be... Can you just imagine Luke writing it down? Can you imagine the people being there that, that were educated enough to have read Philo and know the history and to be like, this is it. This is the new Moses. We're all here to celebrate Moses giving the law. What better day for this to happen than this day that we're celebrating, the day that God spoke to Moses, gave His people... Now, here's the other trick. We say law. God gave Moses the law at Sinai. That is just such a horrible way to refer to it. And we do it because we're lazy, and I'll do it because I'm lazy and have it. God didn't give a law. He gave a way of life. He gave a completely new way to live to the Hebrew people who had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. So they don't know how to live out of slavery. And so now he has rescued them from slavery. And he says, I'm going to tell you how to live. It's not a matter of 
uh, don't eat shellfish or I'm going to blast your center dirtbag center self right off the face of the earth because you ate a shellfish. It's I'm holy. I'm a holy God and I want what is best for you. And I'm going to care for you and I'm going to give you a way of life that will make you so different from every other group, people group in the world that the whole world will know that you are precious to me and you are my chosen people and, you're, and I will take care of you and I will bless you in the land and I will prosper you. So follow, these, follow this way of life. And so God gives them a way to live through Moses on Mount Sinai. They're celebrating Moses giving them a way to live on Mount Sinai when God comes, speaks His words that are fire, that get turned into all languages of the world, and the Holy Spirit comes in and He gives us a way of life, a way to live. All over, we're going to talk about it in the coming weeks, but when Paul says, live by the Spirit, not to please the flesh, live according to the Holy Spirit, that all started right here. Here is your new way to live. Live by God's Holy Spirit living in you. Some people heard it. I think the people that heard it in their language were the people that were really trying to draw near to God and really were open to learn about God and to, and to, to continue to grow in God. And the people that were there just because it was a family reunion, the people that were there just because it was a patriotic holiday and they could care less about the truth of God, I think they're the ones that thought that those guys were drunk. You could also use the plank guy argument that they're accusing those guys of being drunk because they are already in progress, a work in progress on celebrating the party side of it. But Peter stands up. In the book of Acts, there are 24 speeches. So not only is it the Acts of the Apostles, you could also call it the speeches of the Apostles. Because there's a whole bunch of places where they you'll read. Peter stood up and said. Paul got up and said. Stephen got up and said to them. Cornelius got up and said to them. Barnabas stood up and said. You're going to hear it over and over. Here it is. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice. So Peter jumps up on the roof. And he looks out at all those people. And he realizes something has just happened. And he says, Everybody... Listen, these guys aren't drunk like you're saying. They were all close enough that Peter could hear that feedback, right? They were that crammed in. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. Come on. <laughs> That's kind of, it's like, whoa, what? This is what's happening. This was prophesied by Joel. So now he's going to read a prophecy that Joel prophesied. And remember, when he prophesies this, he's saying this event of all these people speaking in all these different languages is directly linked to what happened 50 days earlier when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's, think of it all as one thing. Because as far as, you know, we make jokes about people coming to church on Christmas and we'll see you on Easter. And those are the only times they come to church. And that guy always wears a white shirt. Uh, these people, the last time they were here was Passover. So all they know is the Passover events and now the Pentecost events. 
In the last days, it'll be, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So a lot of the people talking about people saying Jesus rose from the dead and the healings and testifying to that. Um, we're close to prophecies and people were wondering, you know, this fulfills this prophecy and this prophecy and this fulfills Isaiah. So now these f- prophecies, have, they've been talking about these prophecies being fulfilled over the last 50 days. So that all rings to that. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth below, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Remember when Jesus died on the cross and darkness covered everything? And all of these people were probably there when it got dark in the middle of the day with a heavy ten plagues kind of dark. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. So you get up to that and you're like, okay, this is for real. Because these dudes, these are Galileans, and they're talking to me about God in my own language, just like Moses got the fiery words from God that went out to all languages. The last time we were in town, everything fell dark when they killed that dude, and there's an earthquake, and there's rumors saying that they had to repair the whole curtain in the temple because the temple split in half. And man, if something split the temple in half, that's power because that. That is being made known, right? And Peter says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. At what point do you start to think, I maybe should listen to what they say. This stuff might be for real. How do I call on the name of the Lord? Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. You know, last Passover you were here and we threw our coats out on the street coming in from Bethany and we were shouting Hosanna. You know, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. He is too powerful for death. And now this confirms what everybody's been hearing and what everybody's been talking about. The other thing that they're celebrating on this day is King David's death. And there are some people that believe that were there that King David was so precious to God and so loved by God as as the greatest king of Israel ever, that his body would actually not rot. And that he would still be completely preserved, flesh and bone, just dead. And, um, And that he would not go to the bad place where dead people go, but that he would actually just still be around his body and that he would still be flesh and blood. Just not alive. And then Peter says, (laughs) Don't you guys remember David said, 
I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I might be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad. My hope rejoiced. He says this whole thing about David. And now all the people that came just because politically we love Israel. And this is our holiday when we got the law. And we're celebrating it for that. And David is never going to die. And he's always going to be our king. David says... Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about David that he died and he was buried. And his tomb is with us today. And he knows that the oath sworn to David that one of his descendants would be on the throne was not to David. David's not going to be on the throne. He's dead, y'all. But one of his descendants is Jesus. And Jesus is alive. And he lives right now. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ so that he wouldn't be abandoned to hell, that David wouldn't be abandoned to hell, but that Christ would come and rescue all of us. And he sends his promised Holy Spirit. That's what he goes on to say. And that promised Holy Spirit is our way of life to help us to know how to live. So we can live by faith in Christ. When they heard this, he finishes it. Let all the house of Israel know that God has made Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. They were, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. All who are far off. That's going to be important here. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words he bore witness, continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls. So he said, they say, what do we do? And he says, repent, quit. Repent means not just quit doing what you're doing wrong, but it also means quit thinking what you're thinking wrong. Quit thinking wrong, quit doing wrong. Be baptized and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So some people read this as you only get the Holy Spirit on you if you get baptized or the Holy Spirit comes upon you when you get baptized. Uh, his words were not meant to be cut up the, into those tiny of pieces. It's a, it's a bigger bite than that. It's all one big thing. There's not stage one, repent. Stage two, be baptized. Stage three, receive the Holy Ghost. It's a whole single thing. It's lunch. Right? It's not a hamburger, fries, and a Coke. And which one? I know some of you just separate your food. No, this is, it's all one thing. And they do it. And 3,000 people are suddenly receiving the Holy Spirit and they leave. And it's so hilarious because you think now, like, if 
if Joe Schmo walked in the door right now and said, I want to be baptized and believe, we wouldn't know anything that he knows. We wouldn't know what he's talking about, right? When I used to be a pastor at the rescue mission, guys would say, I need to get baptized. And I would say the same thing I would always say, and other guys would listen. Why in the world do you want to get baptized? And they'd all look at me. I'd say, I'm not talking you out of it. I just want to know what in the world that means to you, because it means different things. Some people it means get out of hell free card. And if it's a get out of hell free card, I'm not, I'm not the one that's allowed to give those out. You need to talk to Jesus. And he's happy to give you one. Let's figure out what that means. They baptized them. 3,000 people. They all had the Holy Spirit on them. They all repented. And they all went back to their nations to talk about just like that dude that walked into that Catholic Mass the day after Vatican II, they talked about God in my own language. And now I can talk about God in my own language. I can tell you about Jesus. I can tell you about Jesus and that, that He is never going to die. That He was killed and I was in on it. I shouted, crucify Him. I was part of the crowd. But He forgave my sin. And now I don't have to have any fear. And over the course of the next uh, bazillion pages in this book are going to be Paul's letters writing to people, Peter's letters writing to people, explaining how to live. But for a big segment of time right now, all people had was the Holy Spirit. And so they lived according to that Holy Spirit. They, they did it and... Um, and they lived it out and they went back. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Oh, you guys. Remember when Moses came and he gave the law and everybody had to live by the law? Now he's given his spirit and his spirit is in me. And his Holy Spirit is here. What does that mean? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't read the rest of the book of Acts yet. But I'm going to find out. And, uh, and that's what we're going to see. We're going to see it play out in real life. As all those people go back to their places and the Holy Spirit's poured out. A new way of life, as different and new as coming out of Egypt and living under that law, having a new law and a new way to live. Jesus has taken us out of slavery to the rule of rights and wrongs and sin and judgment and punishment and given us this new life by the Holy Spirit. The end. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us. And Lord, we want to learn. We want to know. We want, we want in on this way of life. We want to repent from however we were thinking and however we were acting that was away from you. And we want to turn towards you and live, live in your life, Lord. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead. And thank you so much for promising, even, even in Matthew 5 and 6, you promised that you would give your Holy Spirit to all who asked. So I pray that you would do that for us, Lord, and help us out. We praise you, we thank you, and we exalt you. Amen.